I'm in print! Welcome, everybody, to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. Welcome back, friends. It's me, one of your hosts, the Rental King, Ron Avis, also known as. And I'd be a real jerk if I didn't mention my other host on the show, my co-host to the North. That'd be me, Adam Peterson, and I know a few things. Ah, classic timing. Classic. <laughs> classic. And- <laughs> and welcome to our The Jerk episode. The Everybody, jerk. this is week three of our episode three. I don't know how you want to, you know, I, I'm presuming that even if you've found us two years from now, you went back and you're just chronologically going through our, yeah, our you, episodes. You need to go in order. If you didn't start, you need to go in order. Don't listen to this one yet. There's a lot you of could definitely. Yeah, you could definitely miss out on a few things. So many right? inside jokes. <laughs> so many inside jokes. No, but I, I, but when you do that, I want to make sure that you do it from week to week. So even if we in reality go 18 weeks between episodes. That could happen. You'll never be the wiser unless you, you look at the date timestamps. Then you might know. Just don't do that, though. If you don't do but that. Just don't do that. Nope. Don't do it. That's what you call a spoiler. Yep. That'll ruin it for you. And I wouldn't spoil recommend it. things. No, not at all. I, will, I don't recommend do it with it in Vietnam. Nope. They they don't let they don't recommend you spoil eat the spoiled fruit nope. for starters. Never let the never let the fruit spoil. It's like the Osmonds say, one bad apple don't spoil the whole bunch, dear. You could have made that up and I would have no idea. <laughs> no. Many people would sounded know. Incredibly wholesome. It did. Very wholesome. I was um, listening to another podcast. They were talking about the. Um, uh, do you ever? Do you ever? Do you remember that show from the nineties, Freakazoid? Oh yes, I have uh, both DVDs. Okay, okay. Well, I like the. Um, was it the dad who says like "Mind your apples, boy" or yes. whatever? And, like it's one. <laughs> They're like a very classic fifties kind of uh, yeah mom and dad. For sure, for sure. Um, and, that, and but that, I like that. I like that mind. <laughs> yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to actually check that out. I haven't seen a, too many episodes, but I, I remember thinking. I, I remember the theme song most of all. Yes, very catchy. Uh, that was very catchy. Uh, one of the catchier of the uh, you know kids afternoon 
yes. theme songs. I mean, you know, it's up there with like your Animaniacs. And oh, yes. Your Tiny Toon Adventures. Welcome to 80s and 90s cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we're going to be talking about. You thought it was Steve Martin. <laughs> well, you're dead wrong, loser. Nope. Nope. It's just we totally fooled you, and we're coming at you with uh, 80s and 90s cartoons. That's what we're doing. Freakazoid. Nothing but Freakazoid. Yeah. Well, and Freakazoid is really like late 90s. So when you say 80s and 90s, I feel like you're implying late 80s to early 90s. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Maybe maybe the normal person doesn't necessarily think of it that way. They should, though. It's, two, totally it's 20 should. years. It's not a six-year span. It's a 20-year span of <laughs> yeah, animated <no>. series. <laughs> No, they have to. They have to be together, coming and like going out and coming back in again. We're going <laughs> so straight we from He Man to Street Sharks. <laughs> exactly. With Teddy Ruxpin in the middle. Oh yeah. Well, no, that can't be the case. If it's coming right after, we're gonna okay, we're gonna, bounce, we're gonna bounce all <laughs> over the place. <clears throat> we're gonna do we're gonna do fifteen minutes of one episode, and then. Teddy Ruxpin in its entirety. Yep. And then the final 15 minutes. And then James Bond Jr. Oh my goodness, yes. what? <laughs> Who saw that one coming? No one. I've been praying and hoping, hoping and praying. Yeah. That one day they would they would make a live action Transformers movie just like in my dreams. And uh, you know, we got them. We got and a bunch did. of them. <laughs> and then they did it. They did it. They won. <laughs> I'm waiting for a live action freakazoid. <laughs> you crazy sons of bitches, you did it. <laughs> I would like that. I would you totally like that. Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of freakazoid, I hate to just keep just diverging <laughs> further into the tangent universe. But hey, we live off tangents here. But David Warner is one of the one of the uh villains, like the big Big chewing gum brain looking thing. Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's very good. He's very active. Anyways, no. We're here to talk about the Steve Martin 1979 comedy. A movie from the 70s. A movie from the 70s. We don't often venture into the, the, the groovy 70s. No. Uh, but here we are. We're, we're, we're here. Just, we just barely missed the 80s, folks. Smack dab <laughs> in, 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 right in the 70s. Right in the... Very 70s. Yes, and this is pick three of our April Fool's Month, our tribute to our favorite fools in movies. Yes. Um, and this is our third edition, which means it would have been your pick, it and is. you chose this one. It is. And that means I am going to... Uh, I've had several drinks. I'm handing the keys over. I'm hoping you'll be a responsible co-host and could drive us home. That's right. <laughs> I'm like the Uber driver for this. Yeah, podcast. bring me, bring, bring <laughs> just give me five me stars. Uber and my one Uber experience. Here, I've, <laughs> I've carefully arranged some prepackaged certs for you for your enjoyment. Mm. Some certs, yeah, I just pop those right in. I I took the liberty of unwrapping each piece. Good, <laughs> it's fine. Touch them all. <laughs> That's right. I pre moistened the center. <laughs> that activates the retin. <laughs> That's how you get those, those cooling that is so, feelings. That, that is such a night nasty image. <laughs> that is how you activate. That's how you activate the resin. The resin. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very good. No, but in all seriousness, I, I 
if if you pick the movie, you get to host the show. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the wheel over to you, and uh, you take it however you like. And uh, if I feel like you're you're going too far one way or another, I'll 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 pull you back. And I will. I will do. That. I'll rein you in. I'll rein you in. I will do it. Reckless abandon. <laughs> I'm prepared. <laughs> right off the bat, uh, I would instead of talking anything about the movie, Life with Louie, the cartoon. It was a great. <laughs> oh, that's why well, I bounced back into the '90s cartoons. Back to '90s cartoons. And I just, that's right. See, right off the bat, I just need that corralling right back into 19, 1979 <laughs> A.D. A lot of people yes. don't. Uh, a lot of people don't tack that on at the end, but it is important to remember that none of these movies came out in the B.C. Uh, time. All Not of yet. the movies we talk about are A.D. Yes. Yeah. So this one came out December 14th, 1979 A.D. Boy, oh boy, it made it into a 70s movie by just We just snuck it days. in. Days. Yeah. <laughs> It was just 11 days before Christmas. It was like an early Christmas present. It's a great way to think Steve of Steve Martin for, for Christmas. And this, mm-hmm. this one, because one of the things I did want to point out, because uh, I think this one is pretty remarkable. We've done, you know, we did Tommy Boy and then we did Billy Madison. Right. Uh, and both of those movies um, had a relatively low budget um, and a decent return. But going by the numbers on... Uh, this one, a budget of four million dollars. Now, I want to say Tommy Boy was uh, what ten million. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think uh, Billy like... Madison was maybe just a little bit more than that. Oh, Billy Madison was also very cheap. Yeah, it was a ten million dollar uh, budget Tom, for Billy Tommy Madison. Bo- yeah, Tommy Boy was twenty. Billy Madison was ten. Yeah. Uh, so we got the jerk. Nineteen seventy nine, four million dollars. Right. Opening weekend. Hit uh, just shy of six million, and then the domestic total was seventy three point six million dollars. Man, that had some as legs, as they say. Seventy three point six million dollars for this movie, which you yeah, know, that's it that's, was a that's tidy frame. profit. Yeah, it so was. I don't yeah. I don't know I don't know exactly how long this one stayed in theaters. It could have been in for a while. Um, Think about all the times it was re released too. Yeah, uh, so. It's, but that's that's a pretty that's a pretty hefty sum for four million dollars, and you get a seventy three point six million dollar return. Yeah, because the most expensive thing in the movie is like the second shack at the end of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like the, this movie costs nothing to make. Maybe maybe the uh, the entirely they had leftover money from that four million dollar budget. Yeah, yeah, or the uh, disco for the, room. They, they bought one for the. Yep, they bought one for the part. Oh well. See, I don't know. Like, what does a stuffed camel run you these di- back in nineteen seventy? You know, and honestly, if you're being smart, rent the camel. You don't need to buy it. <laughs> exactly. Just rent it Learn. every day. It was a quick. Tommy show. Wiseau should have rented oh. his camel, but he had to have the state of the art camel. To oh, hi, own Mark. It. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> That's one we I need missed- to do at some point. Just that oh that yeah not not the James Franco version like the actual one <laughs> the real deal because there's some genuine funny like lines like non ironic funny parts in that movie yeah the real movie has none of that you know making oh, up no. behind the scenes stuff with like Seth Rogen and oh, shit oh my gosh it is just like. <laughs> 
I watch a lot <laughs> of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Rift Tracks movies. And, I mean, there is just something about the room that is just beyond. <laughs> beyond everything. <laughs> the worst movie you've ever seen, this is just so be far beyond it. Wow. Um, but I digress. Go ahead. <clears throat> get myself oh, back. Wow. I'll get myself back on track here. Whoosh. I'm going to get the, pull the my, whipping. Pull myself up by the old, the proverbial bootstraps, as they say. Ah. Yep. That's a reference. It's I've a very, it's like something a general would say yes. in a big rousing speech. It's something a responsible person might say, which is very <laughs> rarely me. I spend a lot of money on Pez more than anyone listening. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know it if I saw it in a mirror, like responsibility. Yeah. What's that? It's accidental if I do anything responsible. It's just like, oh, incidentally, he did the right thing, the responsible action. It's like in the movie Baby's Day Out when it looks like the baby's accidentally going to do something. And then, oh, no, it did the right thing. Why do you always have to bring it back to Baby's Day Out? Because it's it's one of the greatest films of all time starring Joe Mantegna and Joe Pantoliano and that other guy. And that other and a guy. Baby. And a girl. Joey Pants. How could you? So how how was this movie critically received? This movie? <laughs> Funny you should ask, Ron. <laughs> this movie has an Not IMDb rehearsed. score of 7.2. Uh-huh. That's respectable. I, actually, I would think it would be higher. I Honestly, I, I could see. I mean, I would have thought. I would have put it over 8. Just, I mean, it's one of those like, I mean, that, that adds in a little bit of the personal, like, because Steve Martin's one of my favorite, you know, just people of all time. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's like the Ryan Reynolds of the '70s and '80s. There, he, that guy. He's just, I mean, he was just such, he was such a, I mean, such a great guy. And this is the quintessential. I mean, this is Steve Martin just personified. Um, it definitely was. As far, like for his career at the yeah. time, I mean he's he's changed so many times. Oh, I feel yes. like since then, you know, as far as his image and stuff goes. But this is definitely, you know, at 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 the beginnings and kind of the peak of Steve Martin mania. Yeah, it's right here. This bad boy. I mean, it this is it, and it's got its foot, both feet firmly planted in the seventies, big time. I think uh, as I as I was rewatching it. I was really trying, I was like, it, and it just, I forget when it was, because it just, it was kind of the sweeping throughout the movie. It really just kind of hit me, and I feel like the word that just kept coming back to me that made this movie just as great as it is, is it, it's the perfect, uh, it's the perfect embodiment of absurd. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, just everything that Navin R. Johnson does is absurd, it's I'm in print. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> counterintuitive. It's it, it, like no one would behave this way. It's over the top, but not at the same time. Like I, I love. I mean, there's so many performances in the movie, and just the way like him and Bernadette Peters both being the incredibly absurd one, while also be, both being the straight man. Mm-hmm. Is just comedy genius. And it just works yeah. so well. And I just, I think that's one of the things that just, it, this, why this movie is such a classic is it is just the total embodiment of absurd to me. And I love it. It's just the, the and, and on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> this is reflected, Ron. 
The score okay. 83 for the critics, 84 for the audience. So critics oh, and okay. audience agree this movie is a solid B. That is unusual for the two of them to both agree on yeah. something. They're right there neck and neck. They're like the audience like, yeah, most of us enjoy this. The 16% yeah. of us that don't and the 17% of the critics that don't are probably stupid. Yeah. That's what or I would dead. have to imagine. Yeah, stupid or dead or both. <laughs> Could be both. Could be a bunch of stupid yeah. dead people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's on many lists, like all the lists. Oh, yeah. The, every, if you can think of a, a publication or a website, you know, top 100 best comedies ever. Like, it's it's in all those. Like, some, in some, like, even just movies, really, also, not even comedies, but oh, just yeah. movies. Like, it's in the, you know, I'd say easily top 250, right? I mean, it's got to be up yeah. there. Well, because in addition to it just being funny throughout, it still tells a pretty compelling enough story. I mean, you know, Carl Reiner directing, Steve Martin writing, you know, you've got mm-hmm. really capable guys who are, you know, steering the ship on this. Hey, don't forget Carl Gitlab, Leb. Yes. <laughs> Carl Iron Balls McGinty. Is <laughs> Gottlieb? Okay, that makes sense. I'm, no, I'm, sense. I'm, I'm totally making that up. I'm just, I'm, I'm pronouncing it as awkwardly as I can because it's a very awkward last name. Gottlieb. <laughs> I mean, how how braggadocious is he to write himself the role of Iron Balls McGinty? Also, yes, I mean Iron Balls McGinty. <laughs> Iron Balls gets two calls out. I was like, I <laughs> two would, call outs in the movie. I'd love to be in this movie. Well, what character would you like to be? I'll write in something good. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll give it to you right before we we take it to to the to print. In the scene with the kung fu. The kung fu scene from the jerk. I'm gonna be the one with the iron balls <laughs> and an Irish last name. I will defeat our hero Nathan. <laughs> I will thwart the protagonist with my iron testicles. He will easily dispatch my nine associates, but when he gets to me, I'm like the big boss That's of this it. scenario. Come here. He's Yep, <laughs> and I'm the I'm the big boss. I'm Bowser, and Mario. Naven Naven was ready to go full, um, Bobby Hill with the I don't know you. That's my purse, and just go straight for the jewels. But he got yeah. a dong with those yeah. iron balls. That was really controversial. I thought uh, how he yeah. went for the balls instead of he just abandons like, all of his martial arts training. That's not something they teach. I don't no, think that's. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> in the dishonorable <laughs> column of moves you can do if you're doing kung fu. Yeah, yeah, you might you might just get asked to leave. Yeah, that dojo. But uh, amongst Carl Gottlieb's other uh, <laughs> other credits, he yeah. uh, he helmed the first three Jaws movies. So, oh wow, he wrote Jaws okay. one, two, and three. So what he just needed this to, to like just blow off some steam from all that shark tension. <laughs> uh, well, it was when I was like, "Hey, you wrote a really great shark movie," and then, "Hey, you wrote a really okay shark movie," and then, "Hey, we would like you to stop writing shark movies." Oh, but you did it again. Okay, but sorry. <laughs> I suppose since you've already written a third one, we'll go ahead and we'll just we'll, this is we'll it. Do it. This is this is the trilogy, right? Yeah, here. this is gonna be the last one, Carl. Carl Gottlieb. Guaranteed. It's like, that's fine. Gottlieb. Because I'll do Caveman and Dr. Detroit as well. 
I'll do those movies. Mm. Those are a couple of his other call-outs in his career. Those two movies are movies that I've heard were funny, like, by a, like, you know, uncle whose opinion I don't necessarily trust or care about all that much, but they really believe it. So you got to, like, get them, well, maybe, maybe it's good. Well, but uh, I've heard, you know, like, Cavemen, it, like, because that's got, doesn't it have, like, Dennis or Randy Quaid in it or something? Like, the, the thing, the thing about Cavemen, it's got Ringo, is <laughs> when you find yourself saying, hey, you know, that drummer from the Beatles is yeah. a really interesting fella. I wonder. Ugh, ugh. I wonder if we were to put him ooga, as the ooga. starring role of a feature film, if yeah. that same shining charisma that he has as the drummer of a band, uh, clearly everyone knows the drummer is the most uh, entertaining persona in every band. Mm. So when you've got Ringo Starr, you say, well, what do we do? His name has star in it. Star him in a movie. Yep. And look at that. Look at that. You, you just connected his movie career and just like three dots. I was man. like, That's hey, impressive. his last name star. Star him in a movie. <laughs> you should do that. Just star That's him. That's crazy movie. logic, but it's, it works. It just may work. It's yeah. verbs. Damn it. <laughs> verbs and nouns. Conjugating. Work, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, so. I, I have a quote if if Ooh, you wouldn't uh, if I would you love wouldn't a quote. mind yeah so I like to reach back and see what old Roger Ebert uh, you know the 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 most famous movie critic of his time uh, I'm not sure if they were doing like the show at this point seventy nine he may have just been <sighs> writing for the Tribune or was it he was the Ebert sometimes. Ebert was sometimes Siskel was the Tribune. Okay, okay. I thought it was a Tribune. Yeah, so th- th- this may have been just when he was in print. Uh, but still, his name is so recognizable. He, I I would imagine he would have reviewed it in, in some... Because, you know, like sometimes he would re-review movies. Yes. Like he gets a second shot at he's Redemption. He's still reviewing movies. And as far as Beyond I the understand, grade, it's impressive. he's yeah. no longer alive. <laughs> but here's what he had to say. Um we get the sense at times that the cast and crew arrived at location, found the script bankrupt of real laughs, and started looking around for funny props. Two stars. <laughs> wow. That's surprising, wow. isn't it? I mean, he full on like went douche on Steve Martin Carl for no Reiner reason. Steve Martin. It's Carl Reiner and Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Steve Martin was relatively just like, I mean, what? Let's see. Let's talk about the you know, like Steve Martin's career, the early years. I mean, he was just entertainer guy. That's really what he was. Yeah. A lot of people think you know, he was he, a cast member on Saturday Night Live. Never was. That's right. Uh, Thomas Miss. Yep. 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 Just misconception. A repeat, a repeat uh, host <laughs> and guest a number of times. Yeah. Well, he's you know he did King Tut in the mid seventies yes. and like Wild and Crazy Guys and all that stuff. He was he was definitely a he regular. Was very he was well like known for Saturday Night Live. His Saturday Night Live. Who would who would be like a modern day equivalent of something like that? Um, who, who's who's a, not a cast member that just pops up like, uh, you almost like he's just because he's hosted it so many times. Alec Baldwin. I was gonna say for like the, for the longest time, Baldwin was really kind of that because they had that recurring five timer sketch that they would do when you'd have a host that right. hosted five times, right? Um, 
I'm trying to think who else. Um, because most people have been on Saturday Night Live. Like, you were a cast member for three months. Yeah. Little known fact. You were a cast... You were a feature player. You were a featurette player. <laughs> I don't know if you ever actually made it into a skit, but... Yeah, because they... did. They, they had... I mean, there were some of those... Like, uh, like Chris Redd, who's finally now in the cast um, mm-hmm. this year, uh, has been a featured as for the last uh, at least two seasons. And yeah. I would say uh, it may have even been three because I know by last season especially, I was like, this guy should be a cast member. I don't yeah, know he's keep- in every sketch just I don't know about. What, yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> keeping him from not being, but he should very much be a cast member, not featured. Because don't you view like the featured players as like the interns of the yeah. cast? They're the ones, you know, like, you know, they're like, okay, these guys are kind of on the cusp. They're right. Uh, kind of funny that this is their chance to really prove it um, yeah but and usually within a year you know yeah they they graduate or and you can always you know, kind of they tell. don't show up again <laughs> yeah you can always kind of tell like who's gonna make it and who's not right but it, you know you you would think after a couple of years even after one year they would look at him and go yeah i mean because they they've i mean honestly truly they've always had just like a a lack of depth for like, you know, males of color. (laughs) There's just not been, there's been a couple usually at at the same time, but you you would think Tim Meadows for the nineties. Yeah. He was just their black guy for everything. But I mean, you know, at least it's more diverse. It's a little more diverse now. Yeah. (laughs) They've, they've, they've really, you know, and it, and what I appreciate about it is, they did. They've not sacrificed the funny for it. They found funny people. They didn't say, "Oh, well, we need we need diversity in this." And they, oh, they yeah, yeah. found mediocre people. It's like, no, we need to give opportunities to, you know, to yeah. Chris Red needs he needs yeah. starring money now at this point because he's I he's mean he's proved solid, himself. Um, he's a solid performer, and I mean the honestly as as of the last few years, I would say the ladies have really. I mean, there's there's some pretty strong male characters on there, but the, they've really had some wildly talented female uh, leads. Of oh, for sure, all kinds of you know. To well, Kate Middleton, I, I was um, I was breezing, I was browsing through like a Facebook group, and uh, it was like '80s something or other, and like, but I mean, it was just like it it transcended the '80s. It didn't have to be '80s related. So, what's your uh, SNL Mount Rushmore? And I'm like, man, that's really hard because you feel like some people would just straight up put like Farley, Sandler, yeah, you know, Spade, Rock, whatever, like whatever. I guess the popular group that you was nearest and dearest to your heart, right? Exactly, and that's that's a great one for sure. Oh yeah, you know, I'm like, I I landed on Bill Murray, um, Will Ferrell, Kate Middleton, and Dana Carvey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's pretty solid. Oh uh, no, I, let me let me take that back. Okay, sorry. Inst- it wasn't it wasn't Kate Middleton. It was Eddie Murphy. So it was, and Middleton was my like reserve <laughs> in case like somebody could show up to be case, you know, uh, chiseled <laughs> late that day. Yeah, the giant slab of stone that was to be chiseled was running behind that section of it. But uh, I. I struggle. It's like, well, you know, gosh, I mean, there's 
Ackroyd, definitely. A lot of people would just feel pressured to say Jim Belushi, I'm sure. Like, Belushi, Belushi's got to be the guy you do for that 70s run of the show. Uh, in all honesty, like, Chevy Chase was, like, one of my favorites amongst the group. And he was only there for a year. Yeah, he was just there for the one year, which was too bad. But Bill's just, like, you know, I just love Bill Murray. You know, is there has there been funnier people in the entertainment world? Probably. He's never been like side stitchingly funny, honestly, but he's just his humor's so dry and, and razor quick. And um, there's there's something to be said for being able to start out in the seventies and I mean, you know, Saturday Night Live starts in nineteen seventy five and it's running Be just its, as beloved. Yeah, it's like running its forty sixth season right now, and Bill yeah. Murray is I mean, you, people still want Bill Murray and stuff. Yeah, so he may be more beloved now than yeah. ever. <laughs> and I mean, like, because even I, I was literally watching the very first episode of Saturday Night Live earlier today. And um, in the first episode, I would say I would say Ackroyd probably shines the most in that particular mm-hmm. episode. Um, yeah. And he I mean, he was one of the guys that had because uh, Belushi was just such a uh, a subdued kind of character. He Belushi would always he would take what you were expecting and turn it on its side. Um, Chase and uh, Ackroyd were more animated characters. They were they had a lot of energy. They were very you know high, you know yeah. And so the, uh, Ackroyd really shines in that because I was sitting there I was like man he was he was just a kid in this first episode. I mean he was in his twenties, and he, mm-hmm. I mean, he was just as funny as ever. So it's um, to think. I mean. Because, I mean, honestly, I mean, even with Steve Martin, um, Steve, you know, 2021, Steve Martin is unfortunately, in my estimation, uh, in nowhere near as great demand as uh, Bill Murray is. And I I, I think that's unfortunate because yeah. I think Steve Martin, you know, between all of the capabilities, of the, I mean, but between his humor that worked on screen as well as it did. Um, yeah. And his stand-up, which was always hilarious, right? He's the kind of guy. I think. I think really, it's like it's not that he couldn't right now. I just think he got tired of it, and that's why he's doing the bluegrass. Well, thing. he may just be. He may maybe he just wants to write or something yeah. instead. You know, maybe he wants to produce or direct. Who knows? But I mean, I that that's it. All just circles back around to Martin, and you know, the dude's been performing since the sixties. Yeah. You know, he, he, you know, it was, he was on the, uh, what was it? The, uh, Smothers Brothers. Yep. He was a regular on the Smothers Brothers. Yep. And I've seen like clips in black and white with him with dark hair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like juggling, just being corny overall. I mean, it was, it wasn't nowhere near the Steve Martin we would get to know by this movie, but you know, you could definitely see there was something special about him. Kind of like a Harry Anderson. It's like, what do you do with this guy? He's yeah. got talent and timing. But he's not like your traditional movie star. Like he's like whiteheaded by his early thirties. Yeah, and, you know, it's not to say he's not like a handsome guy. Like there's certainly nothing wrong with him. But I mean, he's just unconventional to say the least. Very much so. And like Sonny and Cher, and and uh, just man, there was just like I was shocked to see like how many like like shows he would just pop up on. And then you know he's doing the SNL stuff also. Yeah. And here we go. I mean. You know, he was in the Muppet movie in 1979. He 
he was in Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, which I love. I love his like little scene with the Doctor Maxwell Silver Hammer or whatever. Yes, that's awesome. I love that. Speaking of the Beatles, well, I think that was a that was a Beatles song, right? Yeah, Maxwell. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, and I mean, but for me, Steve Martin, like his sweet spot. I'm sorry. No, um, no, I was one. The uh, this is my last point. My last point was do it, Doug. His run from '86 to '89 is like in my Hall of Fame. You know, you got Three Amigos, Little Shop of Horrors, Roxanne, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I mean, that yeah, that is a hell of a run. Uh, He uh, that's I think that's the thing is like he's one of those guys that to me is is just uh, like when I think about like Carl Reiner. Um, and you know, and you know, Carl Reiner being a contemporary of, uh, um, why did I just lose his name? Um, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Thank you. That's exactly what I was. Thinking. <laughs> uh, oh shit! <laughs> I, I had Max. I had his son, and he's like, "Not Max. Not Max. What's his dad's? What's uh, Mel Brooks?" His, yeah, that, those, that other older famous Brooks. <laughs> yes. With those those guys being, you know, I mean, like comedy icons that i mean did so many things and you know like what i mean one of the pieces of trivia that i i enjoyed reading is um uh steve martin and carl reiner to save on gas they uh, they uh uh they rode into the set together each day oh yeah they carpooled and just doing that they would come up with they were like all oh, right they come up with new jokes every day for the script it's like i just i love that that's like that's just that because that's that's a comedian. I mean, that's like that's somebody that's dedicated to the craft, that's dedicated to the comedy. It's like, all right, how do we keep making this better? How do we keep how do we keep bringing laughs into this? How do we and because and it is it's it's a different kind it's a different kind of humor because there's a lot about it that comes right at you, but there's also a lot of stuff that you gotta kind of be paying attention to in order to really get all mm-hmm. all of the joke and and i love st louis no Navin johnson <laughs> there's, there's just there's so many that like because there's so many things where it's just it's his naivete that is just you, you uh, he hates these cans it's like so <laughs> many of those wrong with these cans <laughs> so many of those lines that are just so memorable from the yes. movie and it's just because he's this goofy you know uh, just lovable idiot yeah, but it's. It, well, I love when he's at the gas station and his. Um, you have Jackie Mason's wife step out of the car. Yes, and like the scene changes. He just goes, "Wow, what are those?" And they're just like legs. Yeah, <laughs> that's all they are. Oh, just legs. Is, and he his and because I, I, again, you got you got Jackie, uh, you got Jackie Mason. I was like, I mean, another. I mean, just I, you know, and unfortunately, he went on to do Caddyshack too, which. I wish never happened, but yeah. And aren't the characters related? Yes, somehow, they're both cartoonians. Like, yeah, <laughs> I like that little bit of trivia. It, it is just funny. It's like because <laughs> Caddyshack Two is just such a bad yeah, it's movie. a turd, man. Such Especially when you consider the first one was just so yeah. It was the first one was so good, incredible. <laughs> and the second one is like oh. You know, if you don't have Bill Murray, why did you, you do Carl that, Stackler, Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, Aykroyd why? Like, like if I were. I would never speak to Dan Aykroyd again if I were Bill Murray. Like, Dan, what the what the hell were you doing here, man? 
That's you shouldn't have done this. This was a bad idea. He had to have given him his blessing. I mean, he had to. Oh, I, I'm sure he must have. It was like even if yeah. Like, yeah, sure, I don't care. Do do whatever you want with the character. Right. You're not gonna do better than me. Yeah. You, you can't out marry me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just like I can't out acroid you. <laughs> but that's uh, you know with with this movie. I mean, you start one of the because uh, one of the things as I was rewatching it because it's been a couple of years since I watched it. Um, I I I love how unwoke the movie is i mean just from the onset i mean like the the whole the story is that he was born steve martin is born a poor black child <laughs> yeah, like that's exactly from the onset and yeah uh but it's it's one of those like uh, I, I i actually really love that first part of the movie because it's it's played for a joke it's played for just kind of like like ha ha but then it actually you see his family, and I feel like I read somewhere that 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 was like the original intent was that he was born a black child, and then one day he heard some music like real like I think like the kind of music that he like finds his rhythm to, yes. and that turned him white. <laughs> like that was his original conceit, like he was gonna go that go that way. But it is funnier to think like. Oh no, he's he, his whole life he's been just so white. You mean I'm gonna stay this color? <laughs> yes. Uh, and it, it what I what I enjoy and I appreciate about it is it is a really sweet and sincere. Like I love the role that his whole family plays throughout the entire movie. Nobody's like there's no joke at anyone's expense. No. Like they're just basic country folk. They That's love really him young. and he loves them. Yeah. And there's right. there's no touching it. Like there's there's nothing that sullies it. There's nothing that makes. They it. are patronizing him just a little bit here and there. Uh, <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> They're like I, when when he's out and he's he's like all right I'm I'm hitting the hitting the road. He puts his thumb out and they're all sitting at the dinner table. It's like I wonder how Navin's doing. Hey Navin, right. how you doing? I'm oh, pretty good. I think I see headlights. It takes him to the end of the driveway. So like it's, still- it's a truck. <laughs> like he's just so enthusiastic. Where are you going, St. Louis? How about you? Uh, to the end of the fence. All right. <laughs> That's Rob Reiner, man. Yeah, and and it's just I love it. This uh, the indelible spirit of uh, of Navin Johnson. He's just I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do something. I'm going to make something of myself. Yeah, and I love. Yeah, he's definitely he he always just. He's eternally optimistic. Yes, and I I, I love his. I'm birthday, in print. His birthday <laughs> meal of the tuna fish sandwich on white bread, with tab and Twinkies. <laughs> couple couple Twinkies. Was, Don't forget the mayonnaise. The mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we wrapped your sandwich. You know what I like the most? What I that 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 is a hilarious. <sighs> Uh, birthday meal, his traditional birthday meal. But uh, I, the part that always makes me laugh is when his like uh, uncle, I guess, comes in. He's like, "I wrapped your your sandwich in cellophane, just like you like it, just like you like it." <laughs> <laughs> what what meals are you wrapping in cellophane? Why is that the best part? Just the way you like it. It's it's, it's the absurdity that you were talking yeah. about. It's just you know. Definitely one of the originals that that pioneered that type of humor. Got to give him credit, and because that I mean that was a lot of that was a lot of his shtick. I mean, even when he was up on stage, you know, he was there was a very um, 
it wasn't that he never got into humor that was uh, more racy or uh, or um, off color, but there was so much of his stuff that really was kind of that. Like when he get up there and he'd play the banjo. One of my favorite mm-hmm. jokes is like he would talk about how you you cannot play something on the banjo that is downtrodden. Like he's like, you know, he starts picking away the banjo. He's like, murder and death and grief and sorrow. Yeah. I was just, it's like, no, it's too upbeat. You can't do it. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So it's just plucky. I mean, that yeah. you pluck, that's like, the, it's, it's in the motion of playing the instrument itself. Oh, such, such a good movie. So let's see. All right. So uh, clearly we've we've done a good job covering at least and we'll we'll go through some more parts of the movie but uh, Steve For Martin, sure. Steve Martin everybody's pretty familiar I think Yeah with, with th- Steve this Martin. is like our chance to blow Steve Martin for a little yeah. while you know <laughs> we haven't really yet Cuz I mean like he's I mean he's one of like he's one of those guys to me that is is just I mean he's such a renaissance man he he does he's, he did so many different things cuz like even when he transitioned into some of the weirder kind of stuff that he did um, I don't. I don't think I ever really sat down and watched the whole thing, but I know he did Shop Girl, um, mm-hmm. which was a little bit different. I mean, he he did a couple of those movies in the like early to mid two thousands that were kind of in that same time frame when he was doing fan like you know Cheaper by the Dozen and stuff like that. So yeah, he was still cranking out like sequel mate like sequel ready comedies. Yeah. But he was in that like one like something halftime performance or halftime walk about the oh, yeah. guy who goes over from comes back from Afghanistan or whatever. He plays kind of a serious role in that. Yeah, and so there there were a number of times where he played stuff that was just like I don't know if he just wanted to try something wildly out there just to see how it would fit or what the case. I mean, because we we kind of covered that I think a little bit maybe on the last episode where. These comedians just get this, like, okay, I want to do something different. And because he, I mean, his roles were always somewhat comedic, but like, I, I, th- I think about like even when he was doing like uh, LA Story and Roxanne and mm-hmm. um, uh, Parenthood, Parenthood, and, eh, Father yeah. of the Bride. I mean, there was yeah. still a very comedic element to what he was doing, but there was also some real drama and some real heart to it. It wasn't just like, hey, look at me be goofy for an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, it was a little more grounded. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was some Not, real acting I mean, involved. You had his, like, you know, funny guy juggling, perf- like, career yeah. early on. And then, then he had, like, the zany, like, slash Carl Reiner years where yeah. he's just, you know, you, you see him on, like, in bell bottoms and plaid pants. I'm like, it's just a product of the times. Like, yeah. Late late seventies, early eighties. Uh, I think the last one he did with Carl Reiner was eighty four with all of me, all which of me, had yep. Lily Tomlin in it. Um, and then then at that point he he kind of goes on that run that I talked about, like the mid to late eighties, yeah. where he's just in vehicle after vehicle. Um, but yeah, then then he hit that nineties, like right around L.A. Story, like it was a whole another ball game. He changed he changed it up again. Yeah, reinvented himself. Yeah, he reinvented himself, and then, you know, then he started being, like, the banjo guy. Like, everybody's, yeah. like, he's the most famous banjo player I know, other than Kermit. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely got the word out that banjo is a fine thing to play. It's a good instrument. And he, because he was, he was another one of those guys that, that did that transition to um, the the family. I mean, like, I, the Cheaper by the Dozen, I think, is the one that, that hits me the most. But it's like, he was like, okay, I'll stay 
I'll stay in the limelight. Cause it wasn't like cheaper by the dozen was just one of those, you know, throwaway, like, ah, nobody cares. Like it was, it was still a decent flick. And even the sequel wasn't bad. So it was like, yeah. he was, he was staying relevant by, you know, going the family film route, which it, I mean, it wasn't that he necessarily did things that were outside of the family friendly, but he was more like, okay, romantic. Yeah, Bowfinger or, was like a big return to form yeah. really in the like late nineties. It was like, Oh yeah. Remember Steve Martin could be like this. Yeah. So there's he he's he's had this you know this this renaissance mentality where he just kind of keeps staying um, relevant uh, in the ways that he wants to. I mean like I mean like I think even when he got weird, it was one of those things. It wasn't like oh it wasn't one of, it didn't it never felt like one of those cries for attention. Like I have to be I still want your attention, but I got to be weird now. It's like I'm gonna try something mm-hmm. else. Maybe I'll grow yeah. a ponytail and I'll show up here or there and. You know, <laughs> right? Like he, he'd earn the right to do whatever. Yeah, he wanted it's like you're Steve point. Martin. Yeah, dude, dude. If it works, you're legendary works. comedian and actor, Steve Martin. Yeah, do whatever you, you want. You kind of you got some wiggle room. We're we're gonna give you plenty of leeway here. You know, you could do whatever you like, and we'll, you know, we'll probably go ahead and watch it because you are you're Steve Martin. So who else is in this movie? What else we got? Um, I got. I mean. I got to go Bernadette Peters uh, second on the list just because, I mean, the two of them together was, I mean, it really, it really was magic. And I, I think uh, if I remember reading correctly, Steve had written the part for Bernadette Peters. Um, hmm. So I, I, because based on what, like her Broadway? Uh, yeah. I, th- I think, perform- I think her, yeah, her uh, stage performance. Um, I think, okay. Cause he was, she really, I mean, she was, she, she was the, uh, secretary in the Burt Reynolds version of the longest yard. I mean, she didn't, it's not like she She was in a lot of stuff. She was not film wise. No, she was not a well-known actress. The warden secretary. But the two of them, the two of them together. And I just, I love, I love her introduction into the movie. When, (laughs) when Navin's he's the, he's the conductor of the little train. Yeah. And she's looking for Billy. Like Billy, yeah. he's wearing a shirt that says bullshit. <laughs> Have you seen him? <laughs> and I just like. Well, they. <laughs> this is the most. And they do that. They do that in another part of the movie too, where like he's trying to hold up the guys who just like ripped him off. Yes. And he hooks him to a church, and they pull away, and he's like, "Well, they're in a blue car, two door car. No, I didn't get the license plate, but they're uh, they're pulling a small church. <laughs> it'll be it'll be the only blue Chevy that's pulling a, a small church." Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's that's brilliant. But um I I I heard that they were or read that Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters around this time like didn't they like weren't they dating or something? Uh, yeah, I think they were uh, they were in I don't know how long it lasted, but I think they were in a romantic entanglement during this this film, which worked. I I think I, I think it lent itself to their their credibility that may have been his yeah their chemistry was good it was believable and i know they were in another movie together a couple years later um pennies from heaven i've never seen it i haven't either um it it looks it looks like a noir or something like that so i don't know like noir is not really my thing so maybe i might just have to check it out because of them the two of them yeah but yeah bernadette peters i mean she's she's adorable she's just like one of those i oftentimes I don't get them like mixed up by like their appearances, but they're to maybe maybe getting confused or mixed up is the bad way to put. Like they they she really reminds me of like Annie Potts. Like they're very similar. 
there's some similar crossover to like with her and Annie Potts, like this like fiery li- little, you know, hilarious women. You know, she always. Uh, she, I thought you were going to say Madeline Kahn because that's who she. Madeline. Is. <laughs> I, I really guess, her her and Madeline Kahn to me are, are their their look is very similar, hmm. and they're they have very different personalities. But like that for whatever reason, Bernadette Peters and Madeline Kahn to me are always <laughs> like. I have. To, I don't have to think about it, but it's like I could see. It's like, oh yeah, Bernard. You Peter could almost Matt. say Carol Kane too, in a, in oh, a yeah. sort of way. Yep. <laughs> uh, but I, I've always liked her. I like. I liked her and her. You know, I, I'm, I know she won a couple of Tonys, been nominated yes. lots of times. She's more known for her voice, which is funny because I'm not into that scene at all. So like, I just know her as you know, she was an Annie and. I I actually remember being fond of that late eight eighties Clint Eastwood movie that she was in, the Pink Cadillac. Yep, I dug that back then. I mean, I don't know if it's any good now, but back then it was fine. And uh, that, but this is her quintessential performance. All due respect to her, her you know, uh, benefides for like her <laughs> acting on stage, all that stuff. But when she says things like. I don't care about the money. I just care about the stuff. <laughs> like I just love how she way she says things. Like she's kind of like on quaaludes or something. Yes. She's got this very subdued personality. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> like what what was her inspiration? Just be drunk, be drunken. I love that. Just I, throwing knives. That's what she decided to take up. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and, and he clearly there's like knives all within the designated yes. acceptable like you know like it's inside like, oh, where you would have stabbed somebody be. four times here but naven just he's again so eternally optimistic he's like you're you know this this is really good for a beginner <laughs> he just believes in her do you have a balloon no <laughs> oh wait yeah i do oh wait yeah <laughs> i love that That's little just, bit i i love when they're doing uh, the the song, he's playing the ukulele, and they're on the. Oh, the beach. I'm glad you brought that up because it's. I mean, it's it is it's one of the sweeter notes, and, yeah. And I love because it is. It's just it's it feels like if you took the movie and boiled it down to almost one scene, it, you have them singing this really sweet song together, and then mm-hmm. they get to this point, and she pulls out a trumpet and yeah. starts playing the <laughs> trumpet. It almost goes like you know naked gun at this point yes, it really does <laughs> but uh I, I i love that scene it is super sweet uh i like that song a lot you know that was like i belong to you yes. or whatever and it's it, and like it's it's the whole it's like a whole two minutes long yeah and they you know, just let you, it go you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't ordinarily get that kind of scene in a modern day comedy just the sweet duet of two people like one just like a terrific singer, but she's like letting him go high, you know, like yeah. she's kind of giving him the lead there and he's, you know, playing the ukulele and that's just a really cute song. And I, um, I was going to get, I told, I told white machete, I was going to dedicate this uh, episode to her. Cause she, for a while was trying to get on the episode. She was going to potentially make it on but then she couldn't. And uh, I was watching it for the second time. And it's just like every time that little song comes on, I just like, it makes me happy. And I know that she plays the ukulele quite yeah, well. Does. And uh, I was like, oh, it'd be awesome if you could play that song. 
And then like a minute later, she sends me a link of her like performing that song, but it was like from nice. a couple of years ago, <laughs> but I just didn't notice, but it's so good. Like she's, she's so good and talented. And this, this one's for you, white machete, slightly sweaty white machete. <laughs> that's from another, that's from another episode. From a, That's a callback. A different episode than this one. Not this one. Right. So we should stop talking about it. Um, but yeah, I do. I do dig that scene. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to. Uh, that's so the two because I mean, that to me, there's there's a lot of other little vignettes because the story is really is about the two of them. You have, I mean, you have Naven. He goes out on his own and he's just kind of mm-hmm. like tumbling around from one thing to another. To <laughs> he gets himself into some kind of trouble and has to has to flee. You know he. Uh, because he 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 meets his dog shithead, um, at, at, at the very beginning, and they're they're on their their quest yeah, together. Yeah, it's like what what is it, boy? There's a fire. Oh my god, you you saved my life. He's like waking everybody. He's like he's gonna be here. This dog's a hero. You shouldn't call that dog hero. You should call him shithead. Oh shithead. Okay. And then from, I gotta. Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I, that that reminds me of this nitpick I have about the movie. Like, So I've seen this movie dozens of times over the years, but I think the majority of times I saw it was like the, like the TV edited version. Yes. Like the movie's rated R, and I don't really get why. Like I guess it, it couldn't be PG, and there's no PG-13 yet. But uh, I mean, yeah, there's like that, hardly anything at all in the movie that that you know warrants an R rating. I don't think. Yeah. But shithead was one of those words, one of the swear words uh, that they changed in the TV edit where it, it was stupid. Yes. And st- it, to me, it was just stupid for so long. Like I forgot his name was shithead because <laughs> I don't. I definitely only seen the R rated version a handful of times, probably. So that was shocking. And the other thing, and I think I texted you about it, and it bugs me a lot i i bought the blu-ray anticipating you know the episode yes uh you know re- talking about it and i watched it twice and the first time i thought well maybe it was late maybe i just didn't catch it but th- what i'm talking about is the scene where uh the people show up to to you know for him to donate to their charities or their causes yes and um in the version that I've seen many, many times, there was at least two people. There was, there was, you know, the guy who was warning Naven about the horrors of cat juggling. Yes. <laughs> Which is one of the all-time best scenes in a comedy <laughs> is the recreation of of the stink, what is it, stinky-eyed Pete or some crap? Oh, uh, like, pig eye. Pig yeah, eye pig eye. Pig Eye Jackson. I was close. It was three. I, I had three names. Uh, but, and that's that's awesome. I love that, especially when he's like, picks up the cats for real. <laughs> but then it switches like so many comedies do. They'll It'll go to that like blunt prop, yes. you know, with just like the lifeless doll or whatever comes in and drops the cat. Um, but there was a second guy, I remember too, where he, you know, the cat juggling arguably deserves some attention, some, some bucks to, 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 you know, keep that from happening. Um, the other guy was a, a pilot who 
his made his living flying wealthy people to these, you know, celebrity type events. And it's like, so he's like, it's, he owns like a private plane. That's his business. And he's, uh, he's, he's in there trying to get money to, to fix up the seats on, in his yes. plane. And he's, he's doing this whole Crimea river story about how the leather is starting to crack. And he's just so ashamed. And, uh, and, and, you know, Steve Martin, like Navin's just like, Oh my God. You know, he's just totally buying it and crying it and gives him the money. And he's like, I could finally fly my friends to the Super Bowl. Like, I forget how it ends, but but like with some dignity, not like some goddamn something or other, I forget. But it was a great, it's a great, great scene. And it's not in the Blu-ray version I bought. Yeah. It's completely absent. So I'm like, did that, did that get added? Was that part of the TV edit, maybe? It, I don't know. I'm, try, I'm trying, there's a... Uh what is it there's another one of those that um and i can i i, I can think of the instance but i can't think of the movie and i, I it'll, i'm sure it'll come to me but well, fri- one of the friday the 13th has a tv cut yeah um like you know like a director's cut like they made a tv cut and there's some different scenes i think in that yeah. movie so. I, and i don't i for the i mean like i get editing stuff out for tv but like special scenes that you put into the TV version that aren't yeah. in it was like and especially in the like in this day and age of Blu-ray, you know, Blu-ray. I mean, even with with 4K out there, Blu-ray is kind of Blu-ray should be the standard. Blu-ray yeah. should just be that's you know if you're gonna like DVD still exists and that's fine. You know, yeah. we're, you know, we're, we're a little bit we're a little bit uh, snobby on this podcast. Not not too much. Well, but. yeah, you I've kind of I feel like I've tainted you in that way. Like you were more than happy usually to watch uh, 18p. Yeah, like a 180p by 240p. I, I, I mean, I'm like, film stripping it on, on a lot of things, you know, like you really don't. You didn't mind. And then I come along with my like uh, standard definition, standard Ugh. definition. But <laughs> but really really and truly for home video consumption at this at this stage and not not even really necessarily I mean because like the kinds of TVs that you would buy I mean like if you went to the store and you were gonna buy a TV at this point like you can't go, I mean you, you can't go to the store and buy just a shitty TV like you can't mm-hmm. you know, like the TV you're gonna get is it might not be 1080. But it's going to be some kind of decent definition. Oh yeah! And so every TV you can, the cheapest piece of shit TV you can buy for like one hundred and fifty dollars, yeah, is outstanding. So I mean, like, and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I mean, like, you know, when you think about like a V, a VHS, a VCR when it first came out was a thousand dollars or two thousand yeah. dollars, and now it's like you can buy a, you can buy a decent, you you could buy a Blu-ray player that will play your movies. Like it doesn't yeah. have to have any frills. It doesn't have to be this or that. But it's like for like for like twenty bucks. Yeah, I mean, like you. Could, so it's like, and and I mean, honestly, the price point for most Blu-rays, and it'll connect to the internet for yeah. you. <laughs> and the price point for most Blu-rays is like, I mean, there's still stuff that's you know, when I'm because I you know, you and I probably shop Blu-rays more than most people. So there are still yeah. there are still enough things where I'm like, okay, this is kind of a ridiculous price point for this movie. I get supply and demand, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, whatever. I was like, most stuff 
is I mean you can you can get movies on Blu-ray and it's not like oh I'm gonna have to spend thirty dollars to get this no you can get I mean I got Good Morning Vietnam for seven dollars the other day brand new yeah right off Amazon you know twenty fifth anniversary edition Blu-ray so it's like yeah it's, that Blu-rays have come down yeah, quite a so, bit now 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 that four K has supplanted it yeah. basically so it's like it's it's Blu-ray to me is just the standard you know if you're used to DVD. That's fine. If you have a DVD player and you don't feel like upgrading, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You can still get movies on DVD, and they are less expensive in most but cases. But this, this Blu-ray didn't even have a commentary. Yeah, that's... It It, it had the features. It, it was still 20 bucks. No, no, it was 10 I take that back. It was 10 Now, there was a 40th anniversary, I think, done by Shout, but it was like a $40 movie. And I was Sh- like, that's the thing about uh, Shout. That's yeah. Shout. <laughs> Yeah. Shout's gonna pack and, it full of all kinds of this and that. Oh my gosh! And, like, hey, and there's probably some really good stuff in there. I'm too. sure there is, but it's when I was like, okay, there's like 15 of us left that are still buying Blu-rays. Man, can you cut us all <laughs> a little bit of slack and like everything? Yeah. Oh, we put a bunch of special stuff in it, so it's forty dollars. Like, how about you make it twenty and we call it a day? And I'll, you know, yeah. like, you're still making out on it because it cost you eight cents to make it. I know that DVD was so I I well I was going to say I know that Blu-rays is proprietary uh, media whereas DVD wasn't it was like VHS so I I wonder like why they can't just slap those DVD commentaries because you know one exists on a DVD somewhere. oh totally there's no way there's not a commentary of you know probably if if not Steve Martin or Carl Reiner maybe even both just on doing the commentary. Uh, but then you know the DVDs just kind of fall. Like there, there might be like some sort of, uh, you know, con- like negotiated period of time that you can use it for anything, and you would have to pay for it again, or it's just, you know, an exclusive to that DVD. Like that's just the deal. It can't be on anything else. Oh, yeah, I'd hate that if they did that. That shows some like really awful foresight. If it is the yeah, case, because, oh, and I, I'm pretty sure I brought it up either last week or two weeks ago. Because I know it's fresh in my mind, but because um, I watched uh, True Lies not too long ago, I think it was on Amazon Prime, and that uh, that movie's I mean, it's still today. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's like twenty five, twenty six years old, and it's still a great movie. I mean, it still totally holds up. It's totally entertaining. It's really really well done. A lot of fun. Yeah, good, great action. Um, you know, it makes Tom James look Cameron flake man. They yeah. all hold up. They um, just do. He, I mean, he does those Smurf movies like nobody's business. And <laughs> the and, but the thing is, he has to like because I I it's a nice callback. I went and I did some digging because I'm like, why isn't this on Blu-ray? You can't get it on Blu-ray anywhere. And I found out they've been waiting for it for forever. He has to sign. He has to go through. I don't know what he's got to do, but he has to sign off on them putting it mm. out on Blu-ray. And it's like, dude, what is the deal? It's like, oh, I'm really busy. Yeah. It's like, no, that is not an acceptable answer because you are not that busy. Right. You are not so busy. It's like, I You don't have to fly into an office and sign a paper. You can digitally like, sign on, your own. <laughs> You're Herbie Hancock. So it's like, there. It was, well, um, the movie that came out earlier this year with uh, Jason Siegel and Casey Affleck and Dakota um, uh, Johnson. Uh, our friend, which is based on uh, an Esquire article from a few years ago about uh, a guy whose wife was dying of cancer, and their their collective best friend um, moves in with them as a really, I mean, as a heart wrenching tale. I mean, it's 
really, I mean, it's an amazing movie. It's super sad in some, I mean, in some places, but it's such mm-hmm. a good movie. But it was just released recently only on DVD. And I'm like, what? Wow. Why? Why? Because it's cheaper? I'm like, why is this <laughs> not guess. available on Blu-ray? At least Blu-ray. It's like, this is so weird. You would think the cost of putting something on Blu-ray is a lot cheaper nowadays. Like, I paid $20 to rent it. Like, I had it for 48 hours. It cost me 20 Like, that was it. It was like, I wanted to see this movie that bad. I spent $20 yeah. to rent it for a weekend. And it's like, Damn. it's out on DVD now. It's like, uh, yeah, my 1998 self says thanks a lot. So that does me no good. <laughs> yeah. 2001 me super Ooh, impressed. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> When's the VHS coming out? <laughs> Can I get it on Betamax? Whatever. Um, but I'm I'm right there with you. I, like some of those, it's like okay, if it's if I get it dirt cheap, and because to me ten dollars still ten dollars three. I'm not you didn't got a packet full of extras, but for ten dollars, yeah, you should be able to get at least a commentary track. It yeah, at least the very least. Like it just had chapters. Uh, see, that's that's not cool. That's just that's not cool. Yeah, it was pretty lazy. So you know, I, I may have to revisit that other copy. It may, maybe it can go down a little bit in price. I can catch it like on a Black Friday or something. Or Who you knows? could steal it. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's exactly how we obtain all of our movies. It's an idea. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not endorsing thievery necessarily, but it is an option. Just saying. So let's see. We we've we've talked about the movie's two top stars. Yes. Um, you mentioned Jackie Mason. He's in it. Yes. I, can I just? I mean, his performance is great. I love Jackie Mason in this. Um, great, great lines in a famous comedian. As you yes mentioned before to your point i learned something while researching this show that it, bl- it just shocked me to my core <laughs> about jackie mason so when i'm thinking about jackie mason a couple of things popped to mind immediately this being one the other uh was an, a late 60s cartoon called the ant and the aardvark and uh jackie plays an aardvark and it's a very Pink Panther style I remember cartoon. That. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so the the Aardvart was clearly Jackie Mason, um, except it wasn't. <laughs> it was a dude who was doing an imitation of Jackie Mason. So they didn't even have the real Jackie Mason basically doing a We're Jackie Mason. They ripped off Jackie Mason. Oh my God, they ripped him off. And. I, it blew me away. I was like, I was like, for sure, for sure, Jackie Mason was living on his aunt and the Aardvark, you know, residuals for a good chunk of ch- time. That's why he wasn't in much of other than this and Caddyshack. Yeah. Or no, yes. Oh, you know, like he had to be doing living fat off those royalties. Oh, yeah. But no, but no. Some other guy. Ripping I guess you got to mention. M. Emmett Walsh has a pretty pretty good oh yeah part couple parts really sort of kind of in the movie as the crazed gunman and uh, he he will always just forever be the uh, uh, the coach like uh, uh, Rodney Danger Rodney Dangerfield's coach in Back to School the yes. diving coach the triple coach Turnbull Indy. that 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and I do remember him in Harry and the Hendersons. He played the George Sr. Um, but yeah, oh, and he was in Raising Arizona. He he was like the dude in the machine shop, like talking like high's ear off. He's he's one of those guys that I think you could watch like any movie from the eighties or nineties, and he was just there. He was yeah. he was in it somewhere. Like it's he's oh, like a Where's yes. Waldo. It's like see if you can find M Emmett Walsh because <laughs> he was in it. And it's a great name too. I love saying just M Emmett yeah. M Emmett Walsh. Good stuff, man. And I love, I love just his muttering as he's shooting. Average, you bastard, you average bastard, run of the mill, run son of, of a mill, bitch, son of a bitch, bastard. <laughs> it's like he's this, why this whole thing is just completely contrived. It's just yeah, crazy. it really is. And he's just like, ah, I got. Well, he's the phone book killer. I gotta hate this guy does. just because I pointed at his. <laughs> oh, I gotta manifest this anger towards him that's based on. I really nothing. like this. Like, during that scene, you have the guy who's, like, acting like he's on speed or something. The guy who Naven meets, and he, he sells him the idea of the opti, OptiGrab yes. or whatever. And he's like, hey, uh, I'm, I need some oil. And he's like, oh, oil at the ready, sir. And he's like, great, let's go check the oil together. Let's check and they, together. Like, walk. <laughs> what? They walk to the front. Nobody does that. <laughs> Fix these suckers. You know, like, I just love that guy. He's great. Damn, You know, he glasses. was in Seinfeld. He was in Seinfeld. He was he was one of the board members down at the old Del Boca Vista ah, Del Boca retirement. Vista. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but that guy's awesome, man. Uh Bill Macy, that's who that's his name. I I love uh, I love in this when uh when uh, Jackie Mason realizes that Naven is sleeping on the uh uh the little the wheelie thing that goes under the car. Clearly I'm an, uh, I'm well versed in auto mechanicry. Because yeah, of the wheelie thing that goes under cars. Um, he's like, "Were you sleeping here?" He's like, "Oh yeah, is that okay?" And he's, he takes like, "Hey, I, I got somewhere else for you." And he takes him into the bathroom. He's like, "Oh, hey, I, I could put <laughs> I could put bookshelves over here. We could right. take this." He's like, "All these plans for the restroom. We could really open up this wall. We could open up this wall, really maximize the space, and the customers could still pee over they there, and I could put my urinal, books over. And I, yeah, and I could put my books over here. I was like, no, no, it's it's back in here. It's like oh, I could never afford a place like this. Oh my god, I love that bit. I could never afford this place anyway. Oh. Like he's still, he's like got his hopes up, and now he's like dejected. Like oh. no, I could never afford. Couldn't the have couldn't have afforded even if I could have got it. <laughs> Uh, that that's an awesome bit. I do like that. And, but he like literally then drives into his next crazy vignette. Yeah. Like when he hops in the car with like wheels off. Yep. And drives to the circus basically. Yeah. I, what one of the other characters like I just have to talk about is Patty. Yes. <laughs> his first Whew. his first uh, relation. He, she helps him find a special, his special purpose. purpose. Why is it that it sounds like when he says special purpose, he's kind of like kind of special almost yeah. sort of bit like i mean he 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 does that in a couple of parts of the movie where he just does these weird voice choices yes like the first part of the movie was like oh you know where he's like like what are yeah. you supposed to be like, right now are you drunk i don't think you're drunk you're just disoriented or something uh but yeah patty patty cracks me up and it's not that like it necessarily that she she does anything funny like she she has good timing like when they go to the trailer and she's yeah. 
grabbing his. She's always like throwing her helmet at people. It's hilarious. Yes. But the thing that cracks me up about her is she's supposedly like the one of the entertainment arms of the this traveling circus. She's kind of like their daredevil. Yes. You know, evil Knievel, like dirt bike attraction. But all she ever does is just crash through the wall. Yes. Like they they have a circle. Like they they play it up like she's gonna jump through like a ring of fire. But she just it's just like a solid wall yeah. that she just crashes through. And like, why do you even bother lighting a ring? <laughs> like it's just gonna be a solid wall that you can't and, jump through. And it's never in like a prescribed arena. It's like people <laughs> no. are just milling around. And they just That's kind in the of gas station parking lot. They just kind of <laughs> set it up like, "Hey, right now would be a great time for Patty to do her show because there's a bunch of people here, right? Let's just do yeah. it now, right here. Let's do an ad hoc Patty performance yeah, just, just right here, right now. Let's just run through this real quick. That is, I, I do, but I do enjoy her. She she was pretty funny. It was, but just her, it, the the absurdity of her job was just making me laugh. And I, in that that first time where she's like, I'm going to guess your weight. And she's grabbing him by the, both cheeks. <laughs> right. And he's like, she's oh. She's just squeezing and, away. And he's still trying to, you know, like play. He's like, oh, you're you're really going for accuracy here. You're really trying to be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love that he's still trying to play everything off. Like, oh, this well, is certainly normal. Well, you said it best. He was naive. It yeah. was his naivete. He's very innocent. And, um, you know, he it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Ishmael character from Kingpin, you know, there's just this like little, like, you know, he, he just kind of bounces through life without a scratch. I mean, he may come upon hard times, but he's kind of like a Forrest Gump in his life. Very similar. He becomes a millionaire. Uh, I, you know, like just dig, I really dig like the part, like there's all kinds of sections of this movie. Like really can't just be broken up. But when he when he strikes it big, and that those are like you get the most uh, Bernadette Peter scene. Yes, I guess. yeah, because they got the fancy dinner scene, and uh, uh, they got the uh, knife throwing and the the disco ballroom. I love the scene. Uh, I love the two like uh, coolers full of wine, and then like the uh, <laughs> like disposable wine glasses. Like, yes, like it's Gatorade right outside of the tennis courts. <laughs> And like little, like instead of plastic lids, just tops like yes. the little umbrellas. <laughs> he just grabs one and plops it in. Oh, he's obsessed with the little drink from the bee somebody yes. ad. And <laughs> and just the the one the one scene where because uh, I love at first they're like oh they they've got all this money and they're still living in his crappy apartment before he buys the house. Yeah, and like they, they <laughs> the have servants, a, they have a butler <laughs> and a maid. Yeah, and they have live-in servants basically in an apartment, and they're like they're wearing like silk robes, <laughs> and it's just like yes. this is so weird. But then they it's like, and then he, he buys the house, like, and you know how I always wanted one of the right. just all of these absurd things, and then then the, it's like right after that where they execute the butler's <laughs> wife. I was just like, for like for like a some sort of paperwork error yes. or something like what was it, it was some it was like mundane some silly little thing that was <laughs> and he's like oh and then uh then it's like 
he's he's grieving, but he he needs his help. He's like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Oh well, we can't grieve all day, can we?" Right. I was like, "Just how- I know." Naven's trying to give his condolences, and he's like, "Federal regulations, you know." Yeah. He just she had it coming. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. federal regulations. It, just, just shrug it off, <laughs> and just the cavalier attitude towards it. Oh, and by the way, here's your another gold chain. Yes, the gold chain. <laughs> I was, I was just admiring himself with a gold chain. Uh huh. I like you'd mentioned the scene where with Iron Balls McGinty, where they're walking around the pool. One of my like uh, talking about the absurdity of things in the movie. I really like the part where they're kind of, I guess, some of his business associates are just following him around the pool, and they're saying stuff like. Ah, in this quarter, we'll you know we'll do this and we'll earn X amount of profits and like, Naven just just to like kind of chip chip in would just say things like, ah, an X amount that's good, isn't it? <laughs> and then like, ah, depreciate, very good. <laughs> just trying to stay in the mix, have some yeah, kind just of trying to stay like ah, yes, getting around the crap. <laughs> uh, but that that was a good scene. I I just. It feels like a, a scene they just literally wrote up before they hit record or like said action. Like <laughs> they just made it up right there. And then, then it all has to come crashing down somehow. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you gotta have like he has to hit rock bottom because we know he starts yes. it basically in a you know in an alley, penniless, with his bum friends and his, and thermos. his thermos. Yeah. <laughs> and so you got that Carl Reiner. Hey, honey, who's the happiest guy in the world? <laughs> Sitting there as Mr. Bubbles, bubble bath. As she's as she's laying down the Dear John letter and walking out the door. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she's just sobbing. And then shithead she's comes She's still got her little cornet. Right. <laughs> yeah. He tries and, hey, yeah. trying to read yeah. the letter. Like, <laughs> that, was, that always gets a laugh uh, out of me. That always gets a laugh out of me because this totally improv. You can see like where he's reading it, you know, and like yes. that water's just running down. So he just did that. <laughs> it's just like him on the on the spot. We're gonna run some water. The ink's gonna run. Just read what you can. <laughs> Make it funny. Just do just do your Steve Martin for us. We'll all laugh. Yeah, just just turn it on and we'll make sure to 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 record it. And then we'll capture the magic. Then you get that judgment against him for $10 million and he's writing all of his $1 and nine cent checks to everyone. (laughs) Well, don't forget that the uh, class action lawsuits spearheaded by none other than Carl Reiner himself. (laughs) Celebrity. (laughs) And like some of the scenes he's cross-eyed and some of them he's not. (laughs) The dedication to cross one's eye to a scene like that is tremendous because it kind of hurts to cross oh, your yeah. eyes like for, to do that for any length and, of time yeah and he he's delivering this you know kind of dry bit of dialogue you know just like talking about his sob story how like you know if, if he had just said cut if i had only said cut sooner, <laughs> the guy just goes careening <laughs> off the cliff take a look at what happens when my because of my faulty depth perception <laughs> Uh, but but the payoff, like they're all in court, and even the judge is cross-eyed. The plaintiff, like you know, like the jury stands up. The dude's really cross-eyed. But the the payoff was one dollar and one dollar, yes, and and so it's just like it's <laughs> per person, yes. And he's just writing all of these personal checks out to everybody. 
why would you bother even putting on a suit to go to that? I'm yeah. Like, what's what's the game? Like, ten million dollars for a person, but not ten million dollars for ten million people. Yeah, it's like uh, everybody gets sense. a buck. Everybody gets a buck six. Yeah, or whatever it was. Here you it's, go. It was like a buck and some change, yeah. basically. And then you, you. And then of course it leads into that like. The, the iconic famous yeah uh, all i need is this ashtray right pants pants around the ankles like he shuffles across yes. all of like california like all of los angeles with his pants down <laughs> like couldn't you put your lamp and your chair and your magazine and you know your paddle Matches. ball game like just yeah just set them down for a second and pull your pants up like like a person then he but trades no, he trades it all for the thermos yeah, the thermos. We bring it back around to that thermos. thermos for you. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's it's a really tight movie. It's only ninety four minutes. Ninety four minutes. It's a tight ninety four. Just just like you know, basically the other two movies we talked about for our fools. Like they, they know, like the classics go at ninety minutes. They're yep. in and they're out. Um, just. There, there's just there's just it's being held together by a thread basically yeah. <laughs> you know there there's no there's no mission his mission initially is to go out to missouri because the the song that That's, he found yeah. his rhythm to was playing on a on a radio station in missouri so like that was his big plan like he's gonna uproot miss from to you know from mississippi and then head on out to missouri so because that's where that song was this is really goofy um, but who cares? I mean, it's it's Steve Martin. That, and that's Navin R. Johnson. At his zanies. I love his dancing. Like, he just has yes. this goofy Muppet dance. Like, I don't even know how you would best describe it. He's 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 very, cause, because he's very angular just as a person. So it is yeah. very puppet-like. It's it's like he's this yeah. marionette. It's just kind of, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, just the way he moves around. It's, right. It's very, <laughs> it is just like, no one moves like this. No, especially when it doesn't dancing. look natural in at all. It's like, yes, <laughs> but you're you're right. He's exactly right. Rhythm. He's very lean and tall and thin, and he's got the angular face. Yes, and that and that gold that not golden that that shimmering white hair. Man, yep. just it it's you almost like want to ask is like, and you know it's not because somebody would have asked him surely. And I was like, did you diet that? I mean, was that a choice? Because uh, you you can see like on the dome of his head like where he's still got like a little bit of darker gray. It's not yeah. like completely white. Um, I want to say it yeah. started going like in his early. I mean like early twenties. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it just it started going. Yeah. He was just like okay, well, I guess this is. Oh yeah, the the only time I've ever seen him not white haired was like those early 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 yeah. performances on you know Sunny and Cher like that kind yeah. of stuff. And he's just like a very hairy, like Robin Williams esque dude. He's very, you know, he's very pasty. <laughs> that white hair just just is the cherry on top of of uh, fairness. And then you, you I, I love, I love that it closes out with one more, just gag. Oh, one more visit. One yeah, more one gag. more visit back. Mm-hmm. And, and well, and and you get this. Hey, any of y'all heard of Navin R. Johnson? Well, I know. <laughs> And, I was just telling these guys. And then it's like, hey, it's his family. It's like, How'd you guys find me? I don't know. This is the first place we look. And I just love that that's It's such game. a hand wave moment. Yeah. Like, ah, who cares? This is just, literally just, the first place we look. Just looked. keep it going through. It's like, ah, we're at the finish line, guys. 
we just, had no plan whatsoever. We just drove to this spot. <laughs> and then we cut back to the house, and it's just a bigger house than yes, what they had A bigger before. shanty it's, than it was before. Exactly. It's still the shanty, <laughs> just larger. Because they're happy. They're happy. Oh, there. my gosh. They are the happiest people in the whole world. I just love his mom and dad. Yes. That's a good boy. That's like, a good boy, repeats that a lot. That's a good boy. Thanks for the 49 cents. That really means a lot to us. <laughs> and his mom was like, oh, that that Patty sounds like a, a good girl, you know? <laughs> Bless her heart. Oh, oh the, the blowjob joke yes. was like totally like, oh, God, I don't, I don't remember that at all. Because, like, again, the TV edit. Yeah, so when I heard that, I was like, "Well, that's pretty. That's pretty spicy R-rated talk right there." I guess for nineteen seventy nine, especially especially nineteen seventy nine. You don't have the PG thirteen yet. He was like, "Well, we can't right. good conscience call this PG," but it's not. It's it's a far cry from a lot of your, you know, other seventies R-rated comedies. Mm-hmm. For having no. Did nudity. you know that? Yeah, I mean, like some butts get groped, but it's always Steve Martin's ass yeah. that gets groped. I mean. You know, it's 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 nothing major, and it absolutely would have been a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, if it had after eighty four, that's totally a PG thirteen movie. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, let's see, what, is there anything else that we could talk about? Did you well? Did you know that there was a Clerks sequel? Not a Clerks, a Jerk. There was a Clerks sequel, actually. There was a sequel to Clerks. It was very good. It was very good. Like, There's a, a third little, one just, in the works as well. A little subconsciously work some Kevin Smith in there into the conversation. <laughs> um, no, but uh, there was a sequel called The Jerk 2. Was it 94? No, it was just 84. 80, well, or 84, 82. yeah. yeah it, was, it was in the 80s, and he, he obviously was not in it, or you would have seen clips yes. of it by now. But he was a... He was involved. He just wasn't in any way. Like, he didn't write yeah, or direct producer. or star. Yeah, yeah, he was involved very – he got a credit. He just got a little paycheck, really. It's like, I'm hey, guessing. we made another movie. Hey, remember yeah. that movie you made? <laughs> we made another one. Here's some money for it. Box office poison. <laughs> I, bet, I bet board is spelled B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's really the only other – little small factoid i think a lot of the little things that you had mentioned i had written down as well as like little factoids about the movie um it is it is a -a one-of-a-kind flick and it does so perfectly encapsulate what we were going for with the fools yeah he he is a fool but a kind-hearted fool like i like that our fools are pretty pretty well-meaning yeah they there's a sweetness to them and there's a there's a blurry line like sometimes almost like are they fools a slight nobility to what they're doing yeah uh, I want to I want to ruin that track record for the, our next pick though <laughs> I had to say that just to to build up um, now I told this is gonna be a surprise because I told you a movie and I changed my mind Ooh. and I'll ex- I'll explain why so this is totally a surprise um, I wanted to I wanted to stay true. Uh, to the fool theme, okay, and there has been a nobility to our lot of our you know fools and our previous picks, but for mine, I'm gonna just totally wreck that, and I'm gonna go with the 1996 animated Mike Judge comedy Beavis and Butthead Do America. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about Beavis and Butthead, you all. Boy, I tell you what. <laughs> 
You're the boys that have been whacking off in my tool shed. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> he's talking about propane. It's 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 king of the hill, man. Propane and propane accessories. I want to talk about that. Um, there there are a lot of movies that I thought about picking, uh, and I mentioned to you like, well, I'm going to do uh, Nacho Libre. Nacho Libre. It's a hilarious movie, but I don't really think that he's a fool necessary in that movie. He's he's it's very similar to a uh, Rod Kimball. Yeah. He's just extremely um, like confident in his destiny. You know, like he yes. he he fails he, to like he does. I mean, he makes money. He's making money as a professional luchador, but he's losing embarrassingly in every match. Yes. Every every step of the way, he's kind of you know like he's a hero, but you get to see the crack of his ass like in every scene. You're like you know, it's just one of those things. So I I do want to talk about that movie sometime in the future, and if if I can work, you can work it in in some other type of theme. But I was like, let's do fools. Let's just go straight up fool and choose Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Ordinarily, uh, TV stars, but they they did star on their own feature length movie in 1996, and uh, that. That bitch was fun. <laughs> it was that's that is my pull quote for the poster right there. That bitch was fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, is there was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with the no, jerk? No, no. I'm I'm we we nailed it. I'm very satisfied with our jerk. Oh yeah, we're we're in, we're under a tidy one thirty this time nice. around. Like we're we're doing really nice. nice. Uh, and I think part of that too is like a lot of people have seen the jerk. Yeah, you don't. I don't want to just pick it apart scene by scene. And I think I feel like we we really got a lot of parts of the movie and we liked. Yeah, just mentioning who was in it. Oh you yeah, know? that's like, I kind of like that rhythm and flow. You know, and and that because that was that was a lot of seventies movies. Was let's get as many. You, you'd have the, it just kind of a series of vignettes with different familiar faces like oh let's get this person in this scene and this person in this scene mm-hmm. so you would it was kind of like you just have people chewing up scenery for three four minutes and you could do that <laughs> over and over and over and you could make a movie out of it and there's right. a lot of there's a lot of you get a lot of that from this movie cool all right well i guess that brings us to the end of our show you you got our entire episode on the jerk and uh, you got we we, uh, we we tantalized you, we titillated you with our next episode. It's going to be Beavis and Butthead to America. I don't know if it's on any of the streaming services right now. Unfortunately, it could be on Paramount Plus, maybe because it's own. You know, like Paramount they own Beavis and Butthead. I know the show's on there, but I went ahead and bought it. I just bought it. It was only like eight bucks digitally to own on Amazon. You can't beat that. No. So check us next time for our fourth and final pick for April Fool's Beavis and Butthead to America. I've been one of your hosts, Ron Avis. And I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. We'll see you next time. <laughs>